The coding durability test puts excess through a cycle of 10,000 strums. Through the lens of a microscope, it is clear that excess retains its composition better than other coded strings. Testing complete. This is Chris Keys for from your guitar. This is Chris Schiffler of the Foo Fighters. He's testing out the YouTube algorithm. See how accurate it is because I'm sure you guys recognize that riff. Chris, how you doing? Good. How are you? Real good, man. Uh, this is a long time coming. I know we tried to set this up several times. Finally here yeah. in your guys' studio. Yep. So let's talk about your gear. I think we kind of have like a quasi pseudo live setup of what you typically use. Yeah, this is this is totally my this is my live rig right okay. here for sure. I mean, maybe I, I might take a few more guitars than that, but this is this is uh, these are these are most of my main ones. Cool. Well, let's yeah. dive right into it. You got cool. Les Paul here. What's uh, what's this story? The story behind this Les Paul. This is a '57 Gold Top, or that's how it started its life. Oh, wow. Somebody somewhere along the way took the gold off it. So. But I think it's all the rest of it is still original. The pickups is certainly original. Mm -hmm. um, I, a few years ago, um, did one of those reverb artist uh, stores. Yeah. Um, and sold off like 20 guitars. And I, I just kind of went through my guitars and, and pulled out, you know, a bunch of stuff that, you know, cool guitars and stuff, but stuff that I just wasn't using mm -hmm. and hadn't used for a long time and just kind of collecting dust in, at our studio here. And sold them off with the idea that I would do that and then buy like one or two class like you know I, I really didn't have any like really killer vintage anything yeah you know um and and i just wanted like that magic guitar that you you know and in my head i was even thinking like i'll just get that, that magic one and, and then i'll just keep it at the studio and i'll just use it when we make records or whatever so i did that and the, and they sold everything like they, they did an amazing job but i took that and just turned it into this the next time I was in Chicago, which was right after the, the reverb sale, I went yeah. to the Chicago Music Exchange. It's a dangerous place. I know, and I had like a credit, you know, for what I for the amount that the guitars had sold for, and then they started pulling out all these crazy things. And, as you they know, do. As they do. And then, <laughs> but this was the one I connected with, because this is kind of, for me, this is like the type of vintage guitar that I like, because it's it's been messed with you know it's got a broken headstock kind of crummy repair like i said the gold paint was taken yeah. off somewhere. so it's not like super collectible in that sense but it's the sound and it's the feel of what you want you know it's a 57 this is this is this is the thing you know those are the paf yeah you know? say those just, pf pf pafs alone will go for what a lot of vintage guitars sure go for. and it's just and that's the point is that it's just it, like it's a it's a guitar you want to play you know and, and it, it, when I first got it I still had that idea in mind like I'm just gonna keep this at the studio and it was actually Pat and it was like no <laughs> you gotta take that on the road that thing needs to be played so yeah this I take this every time we we go out on tour so uh where does this find itself in the set where do you kind of put this in place for songs oh you know uh I keep it in standard tuning you know most of our sets standard tuning so I kind of I tend to go switch between this and like uh, I've been playing this a lot the green um this is my one of my signature models yeah. 
um, that we'll, we'll get to. So I, I kind of mostly tend to go between these okay. two guitars, you know, a lot. And what should we know about strings in terms of uh, brand and gauges? Of uh, my guitar strings? Yeah, yeah. What uh, are you they using? They are uh, Daddario. Okay. And they are tens. Oh, 1046 or 52? I think 10 to 46. Okay, so I should probably know that, well, yeah. <laughs> I think 10 details. to 46, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cool. I used to play really heavy strings. You know, I used to play really heavy picks. I used to play a lot harder. Um, as I've gotten older, I've, I've uh, lightened up. What do you think that, what's that just being like realizing you don't need to... It's all this wisdom, man. Um, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, one of our friends who produced a couple of Foo Fighter records um, over the years, our friend Nick Raskalinas. I remember when we were recording, this was pretty early days for me being in the band, and he pointed out to me like, you're really just kind of choking the sound of your instrument. Mm. You're knocking your guitar out of tune and, and you're, you're breaking strings. And so I switched to lighter picks and, and lighter strings and just a lighter approach. You know, I can't go like nines and eights and yeah. that whole thing. You know, I've been, I, I played nines when I was a kid, but I can't, I just fret it out of tune. You know what I mean? So tens are good balance to me. It's firm enough that you can really dig into it, but it's, but it's uh, not too, you know, you Flimsy. can still. Yeah, because, you know, you, I like to do like. Like those kind of bands. They yeah. get a little dicey when you got the 11s or. The, or, or <laughs> You or know, even thin, lighter yeah. or thinner. Yeah. Should we move on to the telly? Or is there anything else you yeah. want to talk about this one? Uh, uh, this also has uh, a, a Kieran Tierney pin oh. on the strap, who's uh, one of my favorite players on my favorite team, Arsenal. Ooh. So yeah. And you can see and we'll that get... this one has a uh, has a uh, another Arsenal player on it. Oh. Former Arsenal player on it. Now who who is this pin? This uh, pin is actually he no longer he's now he plays for Chelsea. This is Obama Yang, so I should probably take that off, but I like it. I'm gonna <laughs> keep it on there. Once now, a gunner, always a gunner. Now this is your master belt signature, right? This is yeah, the custom this shop is, one. So yeah, so you know there's the um, there's the regular production model and then there's this one that's the production model we intentionally kept it like um, to be uh, you know at a price point mm. like you know in my mind I was imagining like if you're a beginner guitar player you know that you can afford it this one we did the opposite because of that you know you have to kind of cut some corners you yeah know, on, on, you know it's a great guitar but it's not like you know all the bells and whistles yeah. and this one my I literally said to, to the folks at Fender like Let's do all the bells and whistles on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Make so, up. Yeah, so it's master build. It's got uh, Lindy Frail and noiseless P90s in here that I think are slightly overwound. The rosewood with the block inlay. Um, it's like, you know, kind of lightly reliced and really beautiful. The, the, the first uh, prototype that they sent me was, it was perfect. I was like, I have no comments. Just do wow. that. Wow. That's perfect. That's Go. rad. Yeah. Now, uh, what's your experience with the P90s? Because typically, especially with the Foo Fighters, you're a humbucker guy. Yeah, I, I love P90s because it's sort of like, you know, we got, we're a three-guitar band. We're all pretty loud. We're all pretty gained up yeah. um, most of the time. And, um, and yeah, so you're sort of like trying to carve out a little tone space of your own yeah. in there. And the, I feel like the P90s kind of do a nice, a nice job of doing that because it's just a little different than... Then what, what else is going on on stage? Well, cool. You mind? Uh, let's let's hear this band. I was boy. just thinking. God, I hope it's tuned up. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. 
Sounds it's working. Great. It's working. Yeah. Yeah. I see the back of the neck is, un is unfinished. Like yeah, a little bit. A okay. little bit. It's just all kind of like, you know, you can still, there's plenty of room to put your own scratches in it, but it starts with a few of them too. And did you have, is the neck profile something that you specifically asked for? You know, because they do sorts of shapes and like D's and C's. <sighs> Um, I remember when we got the uh, the first signature model together. I think it was it's like a compound neck or something. Okay. You know, a little more concave in it here or convex. Is that what that is? And then it's flatter up here. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of make your like a hand more comfortable when you. Yeah, because you know those old fenders, it's like kind of hard to bend. Yeah. So you, know, you need it to be a little flatter up here. Some modern approaches to an old yes. design. Exactly. Exactly. Well, cool. Should we move on to uh, some other Let's friends here? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. And you mentioned the strings already, but we'll, we'll, we're going to throw up a picture because it's worth it. Is uh, you have the lighter picks that you said already, but you have a picture of your beautiful husky, <laughs> the husky right. husky. That's right. <laughs> you can see here uh, on my. Um, this is we made two of them. I don't really play these pink ones much because they're a little too thick, actually. Okay. Um, but they look kind of cooler than the black ones, so yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my dog. That's Lucky right there. Got my dog on one side. Got the logo on the other side. Perfect. I'm going to switch to the black one because it actually plays a little better. Maybe that's heated up too. That's Ooh. nice. Yeah, Soft. yeah. It's preheating over here on top. So this guitar is another Les Paul. Um, this guitar has a, is, is, means a lot to me, a lot of sentimental value because um, when I joined the Foo Fighters, I had... Uh, I remember at the first rehearsal we had, Dave, Dave said, well, you know, because we're about to join the band, we're about to go on tour. He said, how many guitars do you have? And I was like, well, I have two, but one of them's got a broken headstock. So I really had like one functional guitar at mm. that point. And he just kind of chuckled and he was like, well, we got to get you a couple more guitars. It's like, huh? So the next morning before, um, before rehearsal, uh, I went with him. Back in those days, uh, there were a bunch of guitar shops up, up on Sunset Boulevard here in LA, and um, and we went. I remember we went to uh, uh, Voltage, and we went to whatever the one around the corner, and he bought me two guitars, and this was one of them. This oh, wow. is he was basically like. You know, as like a guitar player, it was like your dream come true. I mean, not only did I just get in like my dream band, yeah. but then um, but then he was like, get whatever you want. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> and he meant it. And, so, and he bought me this. This is a, I think it's an 89 or a 90, maybe 91 Les Paul Custom. Um, it's been through a lot of different changes over the years, swapped out the pickups many times. I think this is a JB and a 59. All right. Um, I put that Ace Fraley sticker on there of a course. time ago that I bought at like a record store somewhere. But funny, you know, people always ask me like, is that an Ace Fraley model? And I'm like, no, it's just, I just love Ace Fraley. So I stuck that on there. It's and at some point my guitar tech uh, got a little custom truss rod cover there and stuck my name on it. So that's nice. And so for some reason over the years, I mean, I put a lot of miles on this guitar, but um, it's, for some reason it became my drop D guitar. All right. So I always play this one when we play like Monkey Ranch, Everlong, songs like that that have the drop D, which let's see if it... Let's see if this one's in tune. Yeah, we'll, we'll see here. Is my drop D guitar. That yeah, mm -hmm. that 
that does the thing, man. It I does see the why thing. They can yeah. strap to you. It's, it sounds great. Being yeah, out. I love it, man. It's you know, I love these these uh, Seymours. I mean, you never go wrong with the JB and a '59. That's for sure. It's great how like these Les Pauls didn't leave the factory in this color, but the way that these like they're fading, almost like that patina oh, yellow. Yeah. It's so cool. This was in, in my memory. This was fucking white when I got yeah. it. You know what I mean? So that's like a lot of years of, you know, whatever, smoky venues. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right on. Let's keep this uh, train moving. All righty. This is a Gibson Flying V. That and it is. This was one of the first, like, I never bought new guitars when I was a kid. You know, I got like, um, it's not here, but uh, but my first real guitar was a, was a Les Paul. Um, and and I bought it off a kid at my school. You know, really, my mom bought it off a kid at, at, at my school. <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, let's be honest about it. Yeah. Um, my first guitar was a little Takamini. Oh, really? Uh, Explorer shape, and it was like I'm pretty sure it was an, a copy of an Aria Pro 2, which is funny that yeah, somebody would copy that, that. But yeah. But I had that guitar for a couple of years. But then, um, you know, when I got into high school, I remember this kid uh, at my school was selling his Les Paul and I, so I sold the, the Takamedia and, and then my mom covered the rest. So um, anyway, so I, you know, so I always bought used guitars or whatever off people um, and only ever had a couple anyway, but this was one of the first brand new guitars I ever ordered from a guitar company. And I remember this was, this was, uh, must've been around, it had to have been like around one by one, okay. maybe for that tour. And you can see, we were going on tour over in the UK and uh, Europe, and I had this plan that I was going to buy a, a sticker from every country that we went to, but then I forgot after <laughs> you got too Scotland deep. and Ireland. <laughs> yeah, I didn't make it very far, so one of these days i got to put all the rest on there, too. I have a feeling you'll be visiting those places again. We could be. You yeah. never know. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I love this. I always love flying Vs, you know, whether it was like Michael Schenker or Randy Rhodes or whoever, you know, playing these things. I just always, uh, I don't know, there's just something about them. As sort of as impractical as they are when you're sitting down, God, they are like amazing to play standing up. Yeah. And they always sound great, you know? The now, flying V. Now, would you, are these just like the standard kind of burst buckers that come with the Gibson models? No, you know what? This again, this had a lot of different pickups in it over the years. But what these are are um, uh, Lindy Fralin oh. PAFs. Oh, okay. I don't know what he, if there's like a specific name for them, but they're just like his like vintage PAF uh, in in there and maybe in there too. Um, but yeah, I love them. They're really, uh, they're really musical. Like they're really, even when you're like really broken up, like I am right now, they mm -hmm. just got They're like not as high output. They're not that super modern high output yeah. thing. You know what I mean? They're just a little more, um, like you know, you can hear every note in the chord. Clarity. Yeah. Now you've mentioned a couple of times, kind of going through pickups. Is that like, are you chasing a thing, or or what? 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 Like provokes you to keep swapping stuff well, like that yeah when i was younger you know when i first started touring and stuff it was in the 90s yeah so everything was about the hottest pickups and the biggest fucking magnets and and all you know all that sort of thing so um it's funny because actually my my very first the guitar i was talking about a minute ago was an 82 les paul 
It's black. It was like it was called a Black Beauty, but it really doesn't seem to have anything to do with the original Black Beauties. Yeah. Um, and and so that was an '82, and then I swapped out the pickups so many times. I don't know whatever happened to the original pickups. You know what I mean? Only to learn later from Pat that uh, that those are like kind of sought after pickups because it was um, the pickup guy at Gibson at that point was Tim. Um, Tim, Tim Shaw, yes. who does Fender, and I think he does work yes. for everybody now. Right, so um, so Pat, I turned 50, uh, I'm 51 now, but for my 50th birthday, Pat got me a set of period correct Tim Shaw oh, wow. humbuckers that I stuck back in um, that black Les Paul. So yeah, so over the years, I went through a lot of different things, chasing just hotter and harder. You know, I was always wanted like it to be louder and more gritty. Yeah. And, and then as I've like gotten a little older, I like like uh, you know usually have my gain set a little lower, and I like the pickups that are maybe a little not so super crazy yeah. output. You know. Yeah, and so the the black Les Paul that you're alluding to from '82 is that what you were using probably a lot with no no use for name? It was a, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 Which is cool. That, that yeah, people need to check out any of that stuff that you did with Tony. Tony Sly, yeah. a great songwriter yeah, from the, yeah. from that uh, era of punk totally. rock. Amazing, yeah. Well, should we move on to the last one? Sure. Because like you know, when you see a flying V, you think rock star, and then this next <laughs> one is another rock exactly. star guitar. Exactly. The the uh, it's the matching set. Yeah. Yeah. Now this one. When I was talking about uh, Dave buying me guitars, this was the other guitar. This was actually the first guitar we bought that day. Um, and we bought this at Voltage up on uh, just off of Sunset. And I don't know if you ever went into Voltage, but like I've been going in there since I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And always, you know, like when you're a kid and you're going into guitar stores, no one's nice to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? They're like, don't touch that, get out yeah. of here. So I'd been having that experience, and I never bought a guitar in there. They're all, you know, there's always all these beautiful vintage guitars. Yeah. And so to go in there with uh, with Dave Grohl and his Amex was like one of, honestly, like I, it was like that was a real moment for me. Like, yeah, <laughs> put that on the credit card. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll take it. Um, I'll even play it. Yeah, and I actually picked this up because I knew that Dave played Explorers back then. You know, in the early days of the Foo Fighters, mm. and I picked this up kind of as a joke. And I said, "Oh, should I get this?" And he was like, "Yeah, totally." I was like, "What, really?" Oh. And so I did. And you can see it's got a lot of a lot of scars from yeah. from uh, goofing around live over the years. I broke the headstock. It's a little headstock repair. This thing's been through it. And it and uh, and again, I think that's a JB and a '59, maybe or maybe not. That might be the original one, but that I think is a JB. But um, this one and the and the Flying B, you know, I I sort of fell away from playing them for a long time, and then just kind of earlier this year, I, I I dusted this one off, and I was like, man, why do I not play this? I've been playing yeah. this a lot. Um, and again, it's one of those guitars that like you think it's like a goofy heavy metal guitar. Yeah. Maybe the most well-balanced guitar ever made. It's it's perfect. Yeah. It feels so good. It's so like ergonomically correct. And I love that you got the trash rod cover up here again. It's the cheapest way to get a signature model. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Gibson didn't even know they made me a signature model. They made me two. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Well, let's hear this one real quick. All righty. <laughs> There it is. Man. Pretty hot. Yeah. Pretty hot. Yeah. Oh, shit, Chris. 
let's talk about these hot machines over here. These things okay. that are kind of like everything's barking out of. Yep. So what's your setup and how are you using all these amps? Okay, so I've had this basic setup for the last, at least the last two, three Foo Fighter tour cycles. Okay. Um, I, we used to rehearse over at Mates in North Hollywood and I remember my tech, Sean, came in one day and was like, dude, you gotta check out these amps that Dave Friedman makes. And his, you know, his place is right across the, the street from there. So I wandered in and, and they had one set up, you know, the demo model, and I was just fell in love with them, these Friedman brown eyes, um, and put in an order for one that day. Wow, yeah. And then, and then um, I've been using them ever since. So that's really my main amp is the Friedman brown eye. Okay. Um, and I run this one in stereo. And I've got, I've been like uh, messing around with stereo delays and stuff, particularly the Strymon Deco, which I guess we'll get to cool. when we when we get to the pedal board. But I AB between this, I pretty much set up like the Friedman is, that's my my hot rock tone. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't use a lot of overdrives and stuff. If we're playing like the crunchy rock stuff, I like uh, like the, the uh, amp gain. Um, and then if I need something a little mellower, I switch it over to the Vox, which you can get super crunchy with this too, but I tend to not have it on that setting because I like to have it um, on more of like what I consider like a Tom Petty jangly oh, grit. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not clean, but it's... So I do that, and then like if I need that to be a little little hotter, then I will put like like a, one of these like Klon pedals in front of it. You know? Oh, okay. Which sounds great uh, yeah. through the Vox. But, so um, so far up until about 30 seconds ago, what you've been playing through is the Freeman, just yes. for people at home trying to yeah, keep yeah. track. But so like I'll like for this for the um, a lot of times for the Vox, where is it? No. Nope. Let's see. There it is. Like the Vox, I will often play uh, like a song like Aurora mm. through that. Like, I don't know if you know that Foo Fighters yeah. song, but it's just a little bit mellowing. And then when it gets to the heavy part, you know, then I'll go, you know. Back to the Friedman. But it, yeah, that, that, 80 L, uh, EL84 Jangle has something to it that like you're saying like Tom Petty, you know yeah. what I mean? Like there's yeah. a certain It's a classic, May. yeah, classic tone. You too? I don't know if this is true, but my man at Vox told me when I got these that the only other person with Vox 412s is Paul McCartney. Whew, so that's some good company. I know. Not that that has anything to do with what I play. <laughs> <laughs> Not that any of his talent somehow magically transfers to my hands or anything, yeah. but I just thought it was a cool little factoid. <laughs> now, uh, how much of this stuff translates to what you do kind of solo and that kind of thing? Well, it, kind, kind of a lot. You know, the Vox I mean, kind of more the, the Vox, probably more than the Friedman for my yeah. solo stuff. Um, but and uh, for my solo thing, I've I've taken out like uh, uh, AC15 a lot. Okay. You know, and and still will from time to time. Um, lately, with that, I've been playing like um, you know, there's there's van space is pretty limited. Yeah. On on those tours, so I'll bring like a Princeton, you know, Princeton oh, wow. Reverb. You know, Mike it just, up. Yeah, and that, and that's and it's and it's great, and I love that tone. Um, really, lately, I've been playing um, my deluxe reverbs in stereo. Oh, cool. Which is great. Yeah. With the, with the Strymon pedal doing the doing the wet dry thing, um, 
which I love. And then I'll usually, for that, I'll put like a red snapper in front of it. Oh, for, cool. And set the gain pretty low, but just to have like... Just to push a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like, like I like to set like the deluxe at like around four or five. So it's breaking up a little bit. And then I'll put that, uh, the red snapper on top of that. Why, and then we'll get into it, uh, why not use the, the EP booster? I know that's like a big... Oh, I do. Okay, oh, so yeah, for I didn't know the... Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, I didn't know the... That gives it, then that'll give the it that snapper. extra hot. Got it, yeah. got it. Yeah, yeah, and I use the EP boost. I mean, the EP boost is like, it's kind of your pedal that you have, that goes everywhere. Yeah. It's on every pedal board, you know. And it's super tiny. Yeah. That's what's perfect about it. doesn't take up a lot of space, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you want to continue along and show us the demos, uh, the sounds of your pedals, sure. we can do that. Yeah. Or if you want to change out a guitar before that, um, I'll go back to the Les Paul. Okay. For that. Why not? Or actually, I'm going to go to the Cleaver. All right, where shall we start with the pedals? You, you lead this. Because this is, this is the, I will have you know that my bandmates constantly make fun of me for the size of this thing. It is ridiculously big. There are a lot of pedals on it. Um, but my, my, my view has always been, as long as I don't have to carry it around, <laughs> then bring them all, you I, know? I appreciate the irony, because I know the story is that when you showed up to the band, you were not a pedal guy. You not, had a tuner. Not at all. And now yeah. you are the pedal guy. Yes. Well, because, yeah, and it's, and it's, and it's an interesting thing because in Foos, and this is his, his maybe, maybe because I wasn't a pedal guy, I never had pedals. You yeah. know? I never played with, I never had a delay my whole life until I joined the Foo Fighters, yeah. you know? Um, and there were songs that needed, like Aurora, you know, needs a very specific delay setting. Yeah. Um, and and different songs. So um, and there in and, and and you know you you, you need a, a phaser for these two songs. You need a flanger here and there. Um, so it just started to grow and grow over the years. And every time we make an album, you know, there's like there's mine gear that's kind of inspiring you yeah. know, when you're recording and stuff. And so there'll be like you'll get some pedal and use it on like three songs on your new record. And you know, well, I got to put that on the and board. board. You know what I mean? So it's been a lot of that over the years. Um, so we can just go through. Yeah, go through and kind of show I mean, how I you're using be it. Beginning with the delays, I use these uh, Strymon timelines because they can do a million different things. Yeah. And you can program them so you've got all your presets. So like, you know, I have a specific setting for, let's see. You go, I usually go, now I've been doing, messing around a little bit with like stereo delays, you know? Mm. So I use that dual setting. But um, generally I have like 400 milliseconds kind of light yeah then i have like 400 milliseconds a little heavier you know a little more you know more feedback Trails. more mix yeah. you know um just as like those i just kind of go to settings you know and then when you go through it like there's a slap that i don't use so much now because i'm using the deco more for the all slap right. thing but then you go it's all kind of labeled by song so walk you know that's one of our songs at the beginning you know i have a sort of it's you yeah. need a specific sound for it, right? Here, I guess I could demo that a little bit. So. All that stuff, you know, it has to be, has to be the same every night. So that's, that's, you know, that's how it is in this thing. So then the next one's rope, you know. So you can't like, when we go into that song, you can't be like, Oh wait, what? You know, like <laughs> oh, that's not cool. That's a little slower, a little yeah. bit. You know, it's got to be like on point every night. And then Aurora, I already showed you. Um, 
stacked actors. It just kind of goes on forever. Yeah. Rosemary is a song off Wasting Light that we haven't played in years, but I still have the setting in here. And on and on. You're so, ready to go. So I have that. It's pretty much set up the same on both, but this one goes through the effects loop of the Freedman. Mm -hmm. And this one, there is no effects loop on the AC-30, so that's just going straight, straight into, into it. Straight into it. Um, but I have to have the two of them, you know, because depending on whether I'm, you know, I've got my little AB pedal here. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like I said, the other big go-to is the EP boost when you just need that little extra something, that yeah. little extra sizzle, you know? <laughs> use the, I use that a ton. I'm a sucker for flanger and phaser. I just kind of put that in songs all over the place, probably more than I should, but I love it, you know? And for my flanger, I got the old, uh, it's not an actual old one, but you know, the classic MXR. Yeah, the reissue. The, for my phaser, I use the, the EVH one just because I think it looks cool. Yeah, I mean, it does. you know, and you can set it to the script thing, which I mean, I've never AB'd it with my regular orange old one phase 90, so I don't know if it actually sounds any different, but it looks like Eddie Van Halen's guitar. And that's, and the that's cool enough. Part. Yeah, yeah that's, that's all you need. Um, and you because know, that, it probably sounds like 5% better. Totally. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and as you know, <laughs> it makes me play exactly like Eddie Van Halen. Right. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then the Holy Grail I have for the reverb. Reverb is always dicey. It always feels like you've got way too much or nowhere near enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, I have it marked for different songs in the set, you know, depending on if I'm kind of in a hot tone or, or not. Um, the Micropog. It's one of those ones. I, don't, I only use this for like one song but I try to slip it in as much as I can because it just makes you feel like you're like in Prince's band or something, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just you were like, riffing earlier and it was yeah. huge. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, it's not on, hold on, let's. I love that thing. Why, why can't I just do that all the time? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, chorus, classic boss chorus. Um, we use a lot of chorus here and there for that little extra extra bit of jingle jangle. And this is one of those Waza craft ones. Yeah. Um, this one, I just, I set the way I have it set here up the on day you. that I got it, and I've never changed it. Yeah, the, the which seems to be a running theme for most of my gear. I just find the tone, and then they set it and forget I, it. Well, yeah, kind of leave it there. This uh, is I freaking love this pedal, the JHS Muffaletta. Yeah, because it's got like every big muff in there, you know, that they ever made, and um, and We're, it varies sometimes. You can see I have it marked out for this one. Yeah, as I say, where do you land on it? I I had it. I landed on this one for a long time, and then I switched to this one recently because I just like it. And usually, if I'm going to use that, I might use it on the Vox. But it sounds great if you go to the clean tone on the, the Friedman, uh, which is a beautiful clean tone, and then you put that thing in front of it. <laughs> wow. A big muff sound. It's Oof. great. And then to have like seven or eight of them on tap is yeah. pretty useful. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I like that it's got the volume knob because it seems like with those kind of uh, fuzz faces and big muffs and all those kind of really super duper fuzz tones, 
Live, it always feels to me like when you kick in them, you're, it compresses everything, makes everything quieter. Yeah. When you want with that tone, you want it to go like. The whole reason you're crazy. doing it is so right, people is to, hear it. Right, and it seems like it takes it away. Mm. You know, so I like that, that that has the volume on there. I think the really only two, or there's a few over on the right side. Oh, we yeah. got the Deco. How are you using that compared to the timeline? The Deco I have set. You can do that thing where you set it so that it's like, um, like tape slap, mm. like wet dry tape slap. It's, I forget how you do it. There's a thing you got to press two buttons at once and turn a knob. And yeah. Then it goes into that mode, and that's how I have it set. And I've pretty much been leaving that thing on like all the time. And you can see, so you can see I have it. There's not really. There's no real slap to it, but you can, you could have it that way. Yeah. Um, so you got that. I like to have it kind of right down the, right in line, but it's wet dry. So yeah. it just gives it this like chorusy thing, you know, it's because each side's just a little bit different. It's just a little bit wide, just like yeah. almost like imperceptibly wide. Yeah. But, but it's there. And then, and it, it was feeling like, it was kind of making everything feedback, so I turned it off. But I pretty much keep the uh, tape saturation on most of the time, too, because that's like just another little extra gain yeah. stage, you know? Let's see. Yeah. It feels like it gains it up a little bit and like, like, like kind of tightens it like up. Like focuses it, yeah. Yeah, and so that's nice. And then um, the, uh, uh, the, uh, I don't remember what they get. What is that? A KTR? KTR yeah. yeah. I mean, I always call it my Klon, even though it's. I guess it's not a Klon, but it's. But it is a Klon, right? Yeah. It's the same guy. So, um, yeah, I put that generally in front of the Vox. Um, got a tuner. I don't know what this thing does, but my tech tells me I have to have it here. Uh, yeah, um, I think it's somehow controls or switches between the amps. <laughs> guessing by yeah. its labels. Yeah, and. Uh, um, and this is just my channel changer for the for the Friedman okay. to go between hot and and and, uh, and clean. Then this little uh, this is the same company Exotic that makes the EP boost. This is their compressor pedal, and I had that on there when we were doing some of those BG songs. Oh yeah, because that's I was right. using a kind of a clean tone, and I felt like it like just gave it a little, you know, I don't know, it just took it into like 70s yeah. funk sound a little bit more, you know what I mean? That compress, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and I was using my Strat with that usually when we would play it, so that was nice. I haven't used that in a while, so that'll probably go the way of the Dodo here soon, unless those songs wind up back in the set someday. And then this is just a good wah-wah pedal, which I sort of go between, uh, that's on there because of the, the Bee Gees song too, because one of those songs I had to go like a waka 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 yeah. for the whole time. But most of the time with the wah-wah pedal, I don't do a lot of like, while lying, I click it on for a guitar solo and leave it like a half cock walk. Yeah. You know, like the Mick Ronson yeah. you know, kind of thing. Um, so I will also sometimes use those waffle pedals, mm. you know, which you, there's just, you just set it where you want it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I kind of toggle between those two. And that's pretty much the whole board. Man, it's a, it's, it appears like a lot, especially for someone that doesn't have a pedal background, although that was 20 some years ago. Yeah, yeah. But it, it is, everything seems to serve a purpose. Yeah. Oh, and I guess we should talk about this oh, little yeah. strip here that, that controls it all. Because, um, you know, we had some nightmare moments one time playing Letterman. God, it was a total disaster where a pedal went out or something went out. And, um, you know, when you're in those moments and like you're on TV or you're just playing a show or whatever, it's like the band doesn't stop. Yeah. You stop and then your tech has to run out and frantically try to figure out which little connector cable went out and all that thing. So this prevents that. So if something goes out, it doesn't take your whole 
system down, which is nice. Nice safety net. Yes. Well, but then there's like, you know, I can't tell you how many times I'm like drifting off live and then I have to like, oh, wait. And then I'm like, wait, wait. And then you have to read all of it. Where's that goddamn thing again? <laughs> <laughs> so it can be a little, it's always a little confusing. There's always a lot of tap dancing going on because like you got to hit a flanger and a delay at the same time, but yeah. you can't, you know, unless you go like, Dude, like, yeah, the huge double stomp. Right, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but it's fun. I love it. I love that my, you know, my role in, in Foos over the years has, uh, to some extent, become like the color guy, yeah. you know, in the tone department. You yeah. Know, the delays and the flanges and well, that sort of stuff. Like you kind of alluded to before, with you guys having three guitarists, you, Pat, and Dave, you kind of have to find your, your lane or yeah. your avenue, and yeah. yours might have to be more colorful. Yep, totally. Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you so much. I really appreciate you yeah, opening awesome, the studio man. and talking yeah. to us about your gear. Everyone, stay safe out there and keep rocking. Thank you. <laughs>